You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Hey, everyone. If you like this podcast, you should check out the full finance journey at realvision.com slash rvpod to get the full view of what Real Vision is all about. A video on-demand platform you can watch anywhere. Our members get daily videos and analysis, plus access to more than 3,000 videos for beginners and experienced investors alike, and live events online. You'll join the most thoughtful community in finance. More than 300,000 people who trust Real Vision to be the anchor to truth in the financial world. To get started, visit realvision.com slash rvpod and use the promo code PODCAST10 to get 10% off our essential membership for your first year. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Real Vision Daily Briefing. It's Monday, July 25th, 2022. I'm Maggie Lake and here with me today is Jeff Myers, founder and CIO of Cobia Capital. Hi, Jeff. Great to see you. Good to be here. So, Jeff, it kind of feels like the calm before the storm. We have a bunch of stuff happening this week. Earnings from tech heavyweights, Alphabet, Microsoft, Meta, Apple, Amazon. All this week, the Fed meets Wednesday, and the big measure of economic growth, second quarter GDP, is Thursday. And you can see tech was selling off a little bit. You can kind of see people are nervous because a lot of the information we're going to learn will determine whether this tentative tech recovery we've seen can continue. So, you know, just broadly, what are you expecting? Um, I think, you know, I think earnings are going to come in line, but with guidance, you know, below where people are expecting. Uh, I think we're kind of probably in a recession already. And it'll be interesting to see because a lot of, you know, the, the, you know, the mega caps have come down somewhat, you know, this year, but the next level of tech companies down have been hit pretty hard. Um, you know, the, the companies that were sort of the high growth software companies, you know, burning money, but growing at a pretty fast pace. So once, you know, they report earnings, it'll be interesting to see, you know, the, a lot of those guys are down 50, 60 percent year to date. Um, so if growth slows for them, you know, is it priced in already? I think it will be an interesting question that we'll, we'll see answered this quarter. Yeah. The other way people have been phrasing that is, is this a bear market rally where people think maybe it is priced in um, and and or, you know, and then they can continue to kind of f- form a bottom or is this a fake, the bear market rally? And we're going to see it down. It's not adequately priced in. So is it a bottom or a bear market rally is is really, I think, how people are kind of putting it. So you, you th- it's a really interesting day to have you because uh, for everyone listening, your focus is on the small cap area of tech, which is, I think, really sort of un- under-discussed, maybe under-appreciated because there's been so much focus on those big fang, big cap tech stocks, the names I just mentioned. Um, there's been such a concentration in activity. So we're going to dig into some specific areas you like, but when we look at the, the, the smaller tech, you know, the, the small cap part of tech. Which is more important right now? Is it rising rates or slowing growth? What matters more to that class? 
I think it, it kind of depends on which companies you're looking at. We do mostly, you know, business to business uh, types of enterprises, and those guys, for the most part, have been able to pass on rising costs to their customers without any real degradation in demand. Um, so inflation has been okay for them. I think, you know, slowing of, uh, you know, of demand due to, because of a recession, that'll be more important, you know, more important to these companies. And, you know, we're trying to find companies that are going to be resilient, you know, in that sort of environment. Do you have to look for companies that are already well capitalized, um, basically increase your credit credit quality when you're looking that are already well capitalized that can either withstand borrowing at a higher rate or don't need to tap any borrowing for some time, have some cash to help them grow? You know, have you changed your parameters given the fact that we see a Fed that appears to still be aggressive? With, you know, within our sector, the small cap technology sector, most companies are pretty well capitalized. You know, most companies have net cash on the balance sheet. Um, I mean, we, we specifically try to find companies that are making money. So there's not, you know, they're not going to have to go back to the capital markets and, you know, raise equity uh, at some sort of discount. Um, so I'd say in general, you know, the companies are pretty well capitalized and the companies that we focus on are even in, you know, better shape financially. Uh, so there's not, so, you know, interest rates really are not kind of a big factor um, for us, but interest rates are a big factor, you know, for companies where you know, you're looking at earning, no earnings today, but earnings down the road because the discount rate increases and, you know, the value of those cash flows goes down. So those companies, and a lot of those companies have been hit pretty hard already. Yeah, they ha they have been hit hard already. One of the big things that's going to be interesting this week as we look at this, um, and it's interesting we've got everything happening in this week. It doesn't always line up like that, but we have uh, we have earnings, we have Fed, we have a reading on the economy. And speaking over the weekend, U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen was interesting. She said, uh, you know, uh, in a you know weekend talk show, I'm not really seeing signs of recession yet, but there are a lot of others that are really concerned about what they consider sort of the more forward-looking indicators on growth. And one of them is um, Luke Roman, who spoke with Lynn Alden today on our platform about that. Let's have a listen to a clip from that. So people like that began telling me in late May, hey, the U.S. economy is not touching the brakes. It is like bouncing your face off the steering wheel, slamming on the brakes. Those people, uh, those, those types of relationships in the last couple of weeks have said, hey, it's rolling over hard again. So then you know, we told client that, clients that two weeks ago, um, last week when people said, oh my God, the, you know, the, the National Association of Home Builder Survey collapsed, it fell 12 points, not a surprise. Philly Fed collapsed, not a surprise. New orders in the Philly Fed, in re very recessionary, not a surprise. It's gonna get worse. And that ultimately is why I pulled it forward to August, is I think between the credit markets, which are effectively holding the US economy's head underwater, and then what we're seeing, I think the real-time data, uh, we've begun to see hints of how bad it's going to be over the next four to six weeks. Uh, and I think as that happens, I especially, you've already, you know, yesterday the, the, the president was out with a tweet saying, well, a recession's not technically two quarters of negative GDP, right? You're already feeling the political pain on that side, combined with, I think it's getting so bad so fast, I think the Fed's going to be able to say, the nine percent CPI print was a local was a local high, um, and so 
So I think you're going to see the Fed start to use phrases like data dependent in the next two, three, four weeks. Yeah, bouncing your face off the steering wheel. It's pretty, it paints a pretty good picture of how Luke feels about the economy. That full interview, by the way, is available for, for all members and is part of a series of live interviews that we're going to be conducting all week as we sift through this really these really important events. So look for alerts um, as to when they'll be happening. And we're going to wrap it up with Raul and David Rosenberg on Thursday to kind of break it all down for us. And for those of you who are watching last Friday, you know what Camp Raul's in. He thinks it is all the economy is also slowing. Um, but, you know, it is also kind of watching to see how much, to Jeff's point, how much is already priced in, especially to tech stocks. Um, so if if we're looking at this scenario uh, where, you, as you said, Jeff, uh, you know, I don't know if you think it's going to be that severe or have an opinion about that, but you do think we're probably already in recession. How do you look at your portfolio against that sort of situation? So you mentioned you definitely, you know, paying attention to credit quality. What are the other you know, types of moves that you're making? Have you changed things or are you just investing in an area that you feel is pretty insulated from what's happening on a Mac from a macro perspective? I mean, I think for the most part, you know, looking at the individual names in the portfolio, we were pretty well prepared coming in. You know, we're looking for companies that we think are going to be resilient in a recession, meaning, you know, they either, um, you know, sell products that are key for their customers you know, sales growth or cost cutting, um, something that's going to be very important in a recession, something with a high return on investment. Um, so we have, you know, in general, we're looking for companies, you know, like that uh, always. Um, but, you know, we're stressing that even more in this scenario. We've cut, you know, cut a couple of names out of the portfolio because we think, you know, they might have a little more, um you know, it might have a, a greater effect from a down economy. So uh, we are, you know, we are paying a lot of attention to that. But in general, uh, most of our companies pass that, you know, pass that test that we're that we're looking at. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Yeah, that's important. So, what are some of the names you like? What should we be looking at for folks who maybe don't pay attention to this part of the market or are looking to, to sort of maybe ease up on their exposure to large caps and look for something that it can sort of withstand some of the headwinds that we're facing? Sure. So uh, I'll mention a couple of names that we like. Uh, one's a company called Franklin Covey, uh, and they're the leader in um, basically what they do is they help change the culture of companies in a positive way through leadership training. And they're really the top player in that field. And they have been... If you looked at them five years ago, you know, they were selling everything on an a la carte basis. So you would buy one program from them and have some consulting. And what they did is they changed it to a, an all you could eat, uh, you know, single product called all access pass, which is sold on a subscription basis. And about 80% of their business today comes from that, you know, that subscription. Um, and about half of that is multi-year subscription. So they're set up pretty well 
you know, even in a down economy, they have long-term subscriptions. They're, you know, they're going to be insulated. Um, they also anecdotally during the, the COVID pandemic, you know, a couple new customers came to them. You know, one was a big airline and one was a big hotel chain, both of which had their own economic difficulties. Um, but they decide to take the, you know, sort of that moment to reboot their culture mm-hmm. and, you know, improve their execution within their businesses. So they came to Franklin Covey, um, you know, and uh, and sort of either, you know, bought a new subscription or doubled down on what they had already. Uh, and the other the other interesting thing is that the subscription part of the business is growing, you know, about 25 percent clip, but they still have some legacy business, which is rolling off. So the overall growth rate, you know, now is sort of, let's say, 12 percent or so, but it's going to be growing as more of the business becomes subscription, you know, so sort of asymptoting to a you know 20 to 25 percent growth rate. And it's a very leverageable business model. They have 80 percent gross margins. And most of you know the increased revenue drops to the EBITDA line. So you know, you're talking about a company that's doing 15% EBITDA margins today, you know, but we think can go to 30% over time. So really, you know, they could double revenue, double EBITDA margins, basically ending up with you know 4x kind of the EBITDA that they're at today. We think you know the the stock will follow the fundamentals, and also you'll get you know. Um, you get a uh, multiple expansion along with that, so you know it could it could even be you know stock could move beyond that. So we're pretty you know pretty excited about that name, um, and also you know great management team. Uh, you know they've really um, developed kind of from within uh, an excellent uh, an excellent bench. So um, that's you know name we're really excited about. Uh, yeah, this another- is, that's the benefit of of when you do small caps, really know, knowing inside out because you actually know who the management are, which I don't know everyone could say about everything in their holdings. Um, I'm interested. It's, you know, just looking at the chart. So it's up 36% in the past year, which seems like given the environment we're in, a really big move um, and 24% in the last month. I, I don't know if you've upped your weighting, if you're the reason why, but <laughs> we're definitely not. <laughs> That's an unbelievable. Uh, that those are some really good numbers. But when you describe what they are, listen, I'm you know big believer in culture and leadership. Um, you know, I've I have a lot of people who work in that area. They're going to be thrilled to hear that. But to me, it sounds like the kind of place that that's the first thing that gets cut in a really tough environment is that kind of spending. You know, r- right next to the marketing people are the things like you know like culture. Um, so you feel like this can withstand the downturn? Is that because, does it have something to do with remote work and the kind of different environment we're in that what used to be a nice to have has now moved over to something more critical to the way you run your business and deal with your people? Well, they, I mean, I think the difference for them is they really produce results, you know, yeah. measurable results that they could show new customers or existing customers from their own businesses or from similar you know, situations within their industries. So it's really not, you know, nice to have. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's improving your business, improving your efficiency, um, you, you know, transforming the business. So, you know, as I kind of, I, I guess, alluded to in the, in the anecdotes about, you know, what happened during COVID, mm-hmm. you know, there are companies that had no, you know, they had no revenue and we're, we're losing oodles of money, but, decide to, you know, either start a new subscription with them or double down on what they already had. So um, I think the evidence supports kind of, 
um, you know, their their take on it. I guess the other thing I'd say is, you know, within their spend on that type of, uh, you know, that type of uh, training, um, they've been getting more wallet share. So during COVID, you know, even if spending was going down, they were able to grow because they're getting more wallet share within that, you know, within that within that sector. So, but I think that you know the main thing that the main thing that that really um, you know is is noteworthy for them is just the results you know that they do achieve. Yeah, that that that's so interesting. So so what are the I, uh, so other some of the other things that you like? Is it also in that kind of SaaS area, but something that you view as critical, or is it another in, in another space? So we have another company called uh, Silicon, totally different business. Uh, it's a company that makes hardware. Um, their original business was making things called network interface cards that basically go into cybersecurity devices, um, storage devices, uh, you know, servers and data centers. And basically what these cards do is they offload, uh, you know, the main central processing unit so it can do its job better. Um, and, you know, th their cards do things like, you know, encryption, decryption and compression of traffic. Um, so that was their core business. And, you know, we like that business because they kind of grow with their customers. So when cybersecurity was growing pretty nicely, you know, they were growing pretty nicely. And then on top of that, they were gaining new customers and getting new design wins. Um, so we, we like the underlying business model. Um, they're having there are two growth drivers now to the business. Uh, one is they, they make boxes for something called SD-WAN, which basically helps corporations, um, you know, save money on their dedicated lines with the telephone companies and use, uh, you know, spread traffic to cheaper lines you know, directly connected to the Internet. Um, so that's a cost savings for companies. And that's something that, you know, even with a recessionary environment, we think, you know, it's going to be a pretty important, you know, a pretty important factor. Um, then the other thing they do is they sell uh, cards which go into devices for 5G infrastructure, um, mm. you know, which is kind of a big spend area now. And their kind of portion of that infrastructure spend is something called uh, OpenRAN, which is an open standards uh, way of doing it. And that part of the market is growing in market share. So, there's growth in 5G infrastructure, and then there's growth, you know, within that portion of the market. So they're pretty well positioned. And kind of what's held them back over the last year has been uh, the supply chain shortages. Um, you know, they, they haven't, it's either a combination of them having to be able to get, you know, the parts that they needed, um, or the customers haven't been able to get the parts that they needed in order to kind of go ahead with projects. And what they've done is they've redesigned some of their products and then they've loaded up on inventory um, for the redesigned products. So those products are, are just starting to roll out now. Um, so really the second half should be a nice step function up for them. Um, and this is a company trading at, you know, one time sales and 10 times earnings. Uh, even though they, you know, they did grow the, the top line 18% last year, but we think that's only going to accelerate going forward. Um, you know, so we think this is a company where, you know, the, uh, you know, multiple, again, sort of like Frank Covey, the multiple is going to expand along with the fundamentals and you have a chance for, you know, multi-bagger based on that. Yeah. I, 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 it's, it's fascinating to hear the thinking because, you know, we do have all of these sort of 
um, macro challenges out there, but clearly you're sort of, you know, looking at companies that can optimize on a trend that's in, in place almost no matter what. I mean, 5G is a big juggernaut. We know that's coming. Is that an area where you like multiple companies that you're looking for people who are kind of best in class in the little niche part? that's needed or whether it's like you just said, part of the hardware or part of the systems that need to be in place for that, for that big spend. Yeah. Well, we're very, we're very bottoms up, you know, so mm -hmm. we'll, what we do is, you know, we're, we're sort of very value oriented. So we're screening for companies trading at, you know, let's say, you know, less than three times sales and we'll find the company and then we'll start looking at it and we'll say, okay, is there an underlying trend that's going to benefit this business? So we end up, with a pretty diversified portfolio. Um, you know, some, I guess some tech managers look at things on a thematic basis. So they say, let's find every 5G infrastructure, you know, company that we can, and then we'll build a portfolio based on that. We kind of do things the opposite way where we say, okay, let's find every cheap stock that we can. And, you know, what stocks within that universe have underlying demand drivers that we think are going to, you know, grow the businesses nicely over time. What a, what a sensible approach, Jeff. <laughs> um, so is it you, are you U.S., solely U.S., or do you see opportunities internationally? So we, we do a lot of uh, investment in Western Europe. Uh, we generally, the portfolio generally has between 30 and 40 percent uh, invested in, in Western Europe. Um, so we have, you know, a bunch of names there now. Uh, we have companies like um, this company Net Insight, which is a Swedish company uh, that produces hardware for you know for real time media, um, but also has a new division that focuses on synchronization within 5G networks. So I guess that would be another 5G uh, sort of play. And there they have a novel approach to doing things. They already have two big design wins with Turk Telecom and with Three Sweden. Um, so this, we think this is a billion dollar market and this is like a, you know, hundred million dollar market cap company. Uh, and they're, they're, you know, the kind of the new player and there's really nobody else doing things the way they do. So, um, so that's something we like. Uh, there's another company, Nordic Semiconductor, which is the leader in Bluetooth chips. Um, and not, not a name you would think about, but they have design wins uh, not only with lots and lots of small developers out there, but also with Apple and Samsung and Tile for, you know, the, the AirTag, every AirTag you see has a Nordic Semiconductor um, Bluetooth chip in there. Um, you know, so they, they also have been limited by, you know, wafer supply um, that they've been able to get, but that's sort of, uh, you know, easing up now and they just have a lot more demand than they have supply. So, we think uh, growth is going to accelerate there as well. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. 
You know, it's interesting because so Western Europe, I mean, you mentioned already the supply chain issues, which every company around the world is grappling with. Uh, and, and, you know, we don't have any line of sight on that because of the fact that China is still in a you know zero COVID policy. And we, we are still seeing disruptions, although they've eased. But when you're talking about Western Europe, you're also talking about we're wondering about recession here in GDP. Some of the forecasts for Europe are absolutely dire. And we know there's a risk of energy shortages this uh, this coming winter as we deal with the geopolitical foul, fallout from Ukraine. Are those things that concern you when it comes to the companies that you have in, or that you're invested in in Western Europe? Well, it, it, the truth is, most of our companies in Western Europe sell internationally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, lots of them sell. Uh, you know, get a, a good portion of revenue from the U.S. or from other regions around the world. So they're not mostly selling domestically where if there is a recession in Europe, it's going to hurt demand for them. Um, you know, so I guess, you know, in the event that, uh, you, you know, they had to shut down operations because of, you know, the energy crisis in Europe, I guess, you know, that is a problem. But, you know, I think that's sort of, a, you know, a smaller kind of smaller risk, uh, you know, within the, the grand scheme of things. Mm. Yeah, we have a great question from Gabe from YouTube. Uh, he's asking, do you think all tech stocks will move with growth or risk on assets? Um, you know, we've seen the, the the sort of whole group kind of indiscriminately get hit. Um, now, m- again, maybe it's been a little bit more geared toward uh, the larger cap names, because obviously we just talked about your Frank- Franklin Convey and, and it, it it outperformed based based on everyone else. But is there a risk that if things are on the macro side more severe we see some liquidity issues risk people become very risk averse that it takes the whole sector down you know what is the sort of macro vulnerability i guess sure i mean i think that's happened already you know mm-hmm. a lot of our names have been taken down with you know that i think the the brunt of the storm has been with unprofitable tech companies but it's taken down the whole sector i mean you know a lot of our companies are down you know, 30, 40 percent. Um, so there's there's definitely risk. But I think, that, you know, the one thing that we kind of look at as a buffer for us is valuation. You know, a lot of our companies are trading at, you know, one time sales or 10 times earnings or, you know, one and a half times book value. So there are valuation buffers that we feel like protect us on the downside. And I think if you look at Franklin Covey, it's a combination, I think, of, you know, being a cheap stock and also, at, you know, outperforming on, you know, on the fundamentals. Um, and I think even in kind of risk off environment, you know, you have been seeing companies that do beat numbers, their stocks will go up. So um, there is, you know, relative outperformance, you know, based on fundamentals, if you get them right. Mm. I mispronounced it, by the way. It is Franklin Covey, and it's FC is the ticker, and it trades on the New York Stock Exchange. If anyone's interested in checking out that chart, um, you so you, it has been a challenging year, uh, and I noticed in in one of your perspectives that you are also shorting things and hedging, of course, to try to you know help, and it has helped you outperform what's been a brutal year. When you look at your short strategies, are there names or areas that you feel like are are present a shorting opportunity or that look vulnerable given, you know, the next, the next, how the next few months might play out? Yeah, I think there, you know, there's some interesting sort of sub themes, I guess, within, you know, the, within our short portfolio, like we have some names that were, you know, 
their business was boosted by the pandemic. And analysts think that they're going to continue to grow from, you know, those kind of pandemic uh, influenced, you know, revenue levels. And we think there's going to be a reversion to the mean, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, for example, like one of them actually reporting tonight is Logitech. So, you know, they make keyboards and mice and you know, gaming accessories. And they had a big boom during the pandemic because everybody had to outfit their, you know, their home office. So they were buying, you know, they're out there buying, um, you know, new keyboards and mice. Um, but, you know, we think at this point, you know, pretty much everybody has a home office. And, you know, how often do you go change your, your mouse or your keyboard? Um, you know, and <laughs> I've had mine for the last three years and still working fine. So I'm not, you know, going out there and replacing it. Uh, you know, so we think that's something where sales can come down appreciably, uh, you know, and, and they also have another factor that's, we think going to hurt them is their, their sales are, you know, very international mm-hmm. and, you know, the currency declines in the Euro and in the yen, um, or have been pretty dramatic. So, you know, we think that's going to be another kind of, uh, headwind, you know, for the company. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, that's another sort of macro issue that everyone's had to really watch out for. Uh, you expecting we're he- going to hear a lot of that? Are you hearing from the companies because you do know the management, you do meet with them? Are you hearing about concerns about the strength of the dollar being a problem? Or if it's Europe, you know, obviously they've seen the euro weakening, which could help them if they're selling internationally. But, you know, how much is currency impacting the conversations? I, I think it's impacting it a lot. And the, the question is, you know, uh, a lot of the companies sort of report things in constant currency as well as in, you know, the actual revenue that they reported. So, you know, the question is how much of our investor is going to focus on actual revenue and how much of our investors are going to focus on constant currency revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that sort of depends really company to company. Um, so we have some companies that, ha- you know, have been affected by that. Uh, but say, you know, the majority of our companies probably sell mostly in the U.S., so you know that hasn't been as much of a factor. And we do have some companies, you know, who are based in Europe selling in the U.S., so they, you know, the devaluation of the euro helps them from a cost perspective. Yeah, sometimes it can be can be a benefit. Uh, you know, it, it it's interesting when you're in this environment. We as we as I mentioned earlier, we get a lot of questions about. You know, is this the bottom in? Is it time to buy or is this a bear market rally? And especially for people who are looking from a trading perspective, we've had a lot of people caution about shorting the market because even if it is a bear market rally, they can be vicious and you can, you know, in the words of of one trader, get your face ripped off. It's tough <laughs> with sure. so much that's been going on. Now, I know you've been in the tech sector for 25 years. You've been doing this a long time in the hedge fund business for 25 years, but does that give you pause? I mean, how difficult it, it, is it navigating for people who are thinking about shorting things? You know, what would your advice be? What's your time horizon? How how are you sort of managing risk around that? I think I think you have to differentiate, you know, between companies that have sort of a very high short interest versus companies who don't. Um, you know, companies with a high short interest, let's say, you know, 20, 25% of the float is short, you know, you have the risk of a you know, of a short squeeze, you have the risk of kind of, you know, the Reddit guys getting after you and, you know, something kind of, you know, abnormal happening on that front. Um, so we tend to short companies that have, you know, lower short interests that just aren't as well recognized by the market as short opportunities. 
Um, so that gives us a little bit of comfort, but it is, you know, there's always a risk, you know, on a, on a big kind of risk on day that your shorts will, um, you know, kind of out, outperform the indices. So, you know, we just have to live with that, but we, you know, we, we are kind of, we, we like the shorts as protection, um, and it's served us well over time. So we do keep that strategy on. Mm, and, and. You know, it, it. We. I think we all just sense that. As I said, it's kind of a coiled spring. We got a lot coming at us this week. Um, Jeff, as we sort of wrap up, what do you think is the most underappreciated aspect of the small cap tech sector that you follow? What What would be the sort of you know parting message you'd like to leave viewers with? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a sector where there's just very little focus. You know, large investors can't really, you know, uh, can't really invest there because of you know liquidity reasons it's hard for to get like a you know fidelity or vanguard to come into these stocks um there there isn't a lot of analyst coverage you know and and even i'd say especially in western europe european investors tend to be more risk averse than u.s investors so there are even fewer investors looking at these names uh so i think there's a lot of opportunity here if you're willing to do the work you know, you're willing to talk to management, understand the business, where you can really find undervalued assets. You know that they have the potential to, you know, triple or quadruple in value um, when they become recognized. They just aren't recognized right now because there just aren't too many eyes on them. So, you know, I, th- I think it's an area where there is potential for, you know, adding significant alpha over time. You know, if you're willing to do the work. Fantastic. Well, thank, thankfully, uh, you were, and we're nice enough to come on and, and join us today. Thank you so much. It was really fun to be able to talk about this area of the market. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. And we'll leave all of the um, information we can uh, about you know some of the names and, um, and the work that Jeff does for all of you who might want to find out a little bit more. So thanks so much. Uh, we'll be back again same time tomorrow. Uh, Andrea Steno is going to be here with Weston Nakamura. And remember, we're going to be having those live events because so much can change throughout the day. We're going to try and stay on top of it as much as we can. So check out those alerts and you'll know when those shows are coming up. Until then, take care and good luck out there. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.